Talking Queers. What are you sipping on? Hello, I'm sipping on water right now. Oh, boring. I know. I I think we I don't know. I think we ran out of margarita mix. I should um, call on uh, Joseph, my houseboy, to uh, ah. make me a drink. I thought you were gonna call in the powers that be <laughs> to summon a bottle in your fridge. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm gonna um, summon the four corners. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel him inside me. He's in my veins. What does she say? Something like that. I don't know. I was going to say I drink of my sisters. Oh, yeah. The power to have endless amounts of alcohol. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So I have a question for you. Okay. Who are your favorite celebrity twins? Oh, my God. I know. Well, I love Tia and Tamara. I, yes. Tia and Tamara, Tamara. They're my favorite. The first ones that come to mind, Tia and Tamara. Yeah, <laughs> they're great. I, I, I can't think of sister, well, sister, Mary Kay and Ashley. Mary Kay and Ashley, uh, who I'm see, not I, a huge fans of, but I love when they turn them into memes and they're like smoking cigarettes oh my gosh. in the car. <laughs> I, <laughs> they're so funny. Yeah, they like the the difference between like old Mary Kate and Ashley and like what new Mary Kate and Ashley is so funny. Oh my god! Because they were like literally just so sweet and, and innocent wholesome. and not. Yeah, and, not, and I guess I don't know them, you know, much about their personal life now, but it's just hilarious that they're, like... Cigarette mar- smoking. Cig- marrying old dudes, just, Fashion like, mavens. Yeah. So <laughs> Is like that they're, a word? They're, they're, like, why not? They're, like, they're like boho style. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. Who else? Um, what about Malika and Khadijah? Who? Uh, they were in Sky High. Oh, no. Maybe one of them was in Sky High. No, they were both really? in Sky High. And they were in ATL. Oh. You better I learn your uh, oh, shit. pop culture, bitch. I gotta start writing shit down. I'm right. like, who? Malika and Khadijah. Write it down. Who else? Who are our other, like, famous twins? What about your two faces? Ah! <laughs> gotcha. You bitch. Yes. Okay. All right. So anyway, this week, we're going to be talking about <laughs> just getting high listeners. I'm Jake. I'm Frankie. And this is Fear the Talking Queers. Yes. Welcome to the show. All right. So what's going on with you, bitch? Well, we're going to be talking about us this week, right? <laughs> and so I have two stories that go that coincide with being tethered. <laughs> First of oh. all, my dog got neutered today, so he got untethered. Oh. <laughs> oh, my sweet little angel. How cutie. And then the other thing was uh, this connection that people have with each other. Okay, so I went to my dad's house uh, a couple days ago, and my brother was sitting on the couch playing Nintendo Switch. And mind you, they're my half-siblings. We didn't grow up together. My brother's like nine. My sister's like 11. Um, <laughs> and they live with him most of the time. And, you know, we're not very close. We probably hung out just a handful of times. But when we see each other, we love each other. So anyways, he's on the couch and he's playing Nintendo Switch. And he looks up and he's like, hi, Frankie, in his the sweetest little angelic voice. And I said, hi. And without any hesitation, he goes, do you ever just sit there and wonder when you're gonna die and how it's gonna happen oh my god (laughs) what the hell what kind of ghost do you have for a sibling well I was like actually um, I do and I think that's fairly normal and you need to start watching horror movies (laughs) oh my god you need to to groom him into I do I think I'm gonna introduce him with Scream 
It's I mean, why not? The go-to. Why not? There's, start them young. There's no, there's no nudity. You might as well just start there. Hell yeah. There's you cussing, see, but who cares? There's cussing and there's some erect nipples and that's about it. That's yeah, pretty wholesome. That's perfect today's for today's standards. Yeah, I'm totally. sure he watches worse on, you know, Nickelodeon. I'm sure they show boobs on there now. Yeah. But you know, I actually did used to think about that kind of stuff when I was little. And I still do. Like, when am I going to die? And how's it going to happen? Um, oh, I still do. So <laughs> I, I think about yeah. that a lot, to be honest. It's because of what we watch, what we surround ourselves with. It's what we watch, and it's um, what I smoke. So that's usually oh, what... <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, whoa. <laughs> um, so then, okay, so like we have that like horror fascination connection. Like we're tethered by that, right? Me and my brother. Right. And then I walk outside, and my sister has black makeup smeared all over her eyes in an artistic fashion, and <gasps> and she's wearing a wig with a wig cap and everything and she's oh, making she's all, and she's recording da, 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 herself da, da, da. and I'm like oh hi <laughs> I'm like what's going on of course she laughed she got embarrassed and then I go into her room she has a box full of hot Cheetos a bookcase full of wigs and rainbow stickers all over the place and I was like how are we so much alike yet we almost know nothing about each other oh my god it's genetic it's in it's in your blood so I start like... t- trying on her wigs and and we all look alike it's just Lace crazy front human hair wigs that she has. It looked more like um, Shatar Hadi's wig from (laughs) (laughs) From Flavor of Love. Love. Shout out to Hadi. Hadi. (laughs) Blink, blink. Yeah. What about us? I know. Okay, so we're going to get into our discussion of us now. Uh, Why don't you hit us with a little summary of the movie? Spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. So us is, of course, the Jordan Peele follow-up to his hit film, Get Out. Um, the movie opens on a television set in 1986, and we see a retro ad for Hands Across America, and then a commercial for Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, where we soon are transported. We find young Adelaide enjoying the amusement of the boardwalk. Remember? The, yeah, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz boardwalk. Beach Boardwalk. In, in the, the warm California, California sun. Boardwalk! <laughs> <laughs> We're going to copyright complaint. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, so she's with her mom and her fine ass daddy, who is going to yes. be in Candyman. Yes, oh my God, who we wait. talked about last week. He is Candyman. Okay, so she wanders off into a funhouse of mirrors, where she runs into what appears to be a clone of herself, a doppelganger, if you will. Um, the experience leaves Adelaide traumatized for several years to come, and then we are soon introduced to an adult Adelaide Wilson, played by. Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. Um, her husband Gabe, played by Winston Duke. Her daughter Zora, played by Shahadi Wright Joseph. Her son Jason, played by played by Evan Alex. Um, and they go on a family vacation. And to Adelaide's disappointment, they make a trip to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in the warm uh. California sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, They meet up with their friends, the Tylers. Um, Adelaide is paranoid, and the feeling grows stronger while on the way to the beach, they see a stabbed man being taken off into an ambulance, and then Jason comes across a bloodied-handed man at the beach. So anyway, so that night, after Adelaide reveals her doppelganger backstory to her husband, Gabe, um, four intruders break into their vacation home, and to their astonishment... The strangers are frightening clones of themselves. So the intruders become known as the Tethered, as they are revealed to live underground in abandoned route systems that run under the U.S. and were a failed experiment by the government who tried to use them to control their above-ground counterparts. 
uh, the menacing tethered led by Adelaide's clone Red have broken free and released their pent-up aggression on their above-ground counterparts by murdering them in a rage-filled protest called the untethering. The Tylers are murdered, but our main family, the Wilsons, fight off the tether, leading to a bloody showdown between Adelaide and her tethered shadow, Red, who explains the failed government experiment and their misery-filled lives eating raw rabbit and shadowing every move their counterpart makes. Um, Adelaide ends up defeating Red, and then it flashes back to the night they first met in 1986, when Red wandered above ground into the House of Mirrors, coming face to face with Adelaide, attacking her and forcing her into the underground bunker and taking on her life. So all along, adult Adelaide was actually Red, and Adelaide was forced into the life of Red in 1986. Then she led the tethered into rebellion to murder and recreate Hands Across America in protest of the lives they were subjected to living. And that's the final shot of the film. Boom. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We can go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. Um, so what do you think of this movie? Do you like this movie? I, I will be honest. I did not like it at first but then I was like you know what I need to give it another shot I need to try it again because when I first watched it it was not get out you know what I mean it wasn't in your face like uh, the you know the trans it wasn't like this is what it is and this is the definition it was like it it left it up to the audience which is something that I do appreciate but not with a modern horror film almost like I've almost been like spoiled Mm -hmm. by modern horror films to get the explanation so to do this extra work of like mind hunting was like too much for me (laughs) and I think it was too much for modern audiences anyway because it wasn't as successful as Get Out but I actually really enjoy this film no yeah same like I, I really love this film I uh, I remember I when it first came out I desperately wanted to see it I was working on a cruise ship and you know you'd only get a few hours a day off of a ship um, when you're on a cruise ship and um, I made sure that when this was in the theater that the one little theater in Key West Florida that I like risked missing my ship to go see this movie. So I was really excited to see it. And honestly, I, I really liked it from the start. I think I needed, I I think the issue with this movie, you think you go in thinking it's going to be about one thing. And then it turns out to be not necessarily about that. Right. I I don't know if it's just like get out, set up this world that like, you know, this movie is going to be another movie about, you know, race or you know something yeah, like that and, and this movie and this movie really is, isn't like when I so first I, watched it I almost was like oh this is clearly about you know your inner struggle with yourself and actually it's not about that at all <laughs> no Either. it's really not it's full of symbolism it's, and it's full of like saturated uh, with symbolism yeah it's saturated with symbolism but it's also of a subject matter that isn't so um, straightforward it isn't just this movie is about racism yeah you know this movie is about uh, assist uh, like a system basically yeah class and that makes it a little right and it makes it a little um harder to d- digest because like yeah you know the because average, it's about the, av- the world we live in uh, classism right. poverty um and yeah. i almost feel like that's i couldn't find anything on this like no one i guess thought about this but i think that's why he called it us because you, you think about it and you're like okay it's called us because they look like them it's us you know the, right. jason says um but i think almost because you can look at us and think u.s it's a mirror reflection a black mirror reflection of america 
Jordan Peele is very tight-lipped about what this yes. movie actually when he when he conceptualized it made it like I think he really likes the idea of people having their own interpretation of it sometimes we got to do the work on our own and and who knows maybe for some person it can mean one thing and another person it can mean something else right and so it's not you know who is he as just the person who created to tell people exactly what the, it is because right. where's the fun in that like and you know? i think he knows what it's about for him and he just drops all these easter eggs in there for us to find and try to put the puzzle pieces together and figure out not just the movie but his brain right as Absolutely. an artist you know, the main theories are about uh, classism, which I, I see. The, the the people who are living comfortably on Earth, I say, you know, right. I use that loosely, but they're more like the privileged, they're the privileged class, you right. know? And they don't realize that there's an entire disenfranchised society. Living in, in beneath of, them. It, yeah, literally living beneath them. They're, they're blind to their pain. They don't even know it exists until it comes back. And there's a like a like a revolution of sorts where the lower class revolts. really takes yeah revolts and and takes takes back what they feel is theirs that was that was taken away yeah the life that that they could be living too but they weren't given the same opportunities right because they just because of how they were born they're like he's like it's like an experiment that the government created in order to I think they say to control everybody up you know upstairs yeah they're using them um, to control the people and so that's like a, a, a tethered connection that they yeah. have is that is that they yeah they are two separate biological figures but they're literally connected at the soul with the people yeah. that are that are living you know on land even within one's own race people can be colorists classists uh you know my skin is lighter than yours i make more money than you my job is better than yours therefore that makes me better than you even if we are the same race and like it's like come on we are all human we're all one and the same and we're all just pieces and puppets in this big ass game of monopoly that the you know faceless elites play with each other we're not playing the game we're pieces in the game therefore we should all be united yeah, absolutely. Tether. One of the th- <laughs> one of the theories that I that I had first read, and I think it, re- I was like, oh, this is when, an interesting one because it wasn't really like it wasn't as common. I didn't, I didn't see this theory as common in like other forums. Yeah, that this film was probably one of the first films made in the post-Trump election era. Yeah, that was probably that was like conceptualized, written, you know. Yes. Probably one of the first, just timeline-wise. Right. And so, and that's in this, and I don't remember all the details about this theory, mm-hmm. and there's a lot, lot missing in it to make it make sense. But it was like that the the tethered were were almost represented the like the red state, the silent majority like, that came to take back. They were like the hidden. They're like the hidden society. Like when they were talking, when they talked about in the news after the post-Trump election mm-hmm. about like what they called like a white lash, where all these like white supremacists who were living in this like Obama world, the, you know, yes. didn't have necessarily a voice or the platform that they right. that they do now. You know, with Trump's election and Trump, you know, sort of inciting this white supremacy rise, mm-hmm. they they were able to rise. You know. Out of you know, out from the underground, out from the shadows, yeah, yes, and take control again. I don't remember all That's of it, so how I'm explaining this is probably half baked, but like, 
but I thought it was really interesting, especially because like they're wearing red. I, there were things about it. I wish I knew the whole thing. I probably should have looked up, but like, I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. Like, oh, like it is this, they, like, they're not like the secret heroes of this. They actually are sort of like an antagonizing entity that have come up. The, they, they the are there to like take, yeah, they are actually the villains. Yeah. They're not like misunderstood because there's, they've been you know disenfranchised it's like they should be disenfranchised because they're they're violent and they incite hate yeah I guess it depends on what angle you look at it from because it could also represent you know all the people of color that live in poverty with their hardened lives and their you know it seems it seems more like us the movie could connect more with the theory that you read about (laughs) right (laughs) because they're you know monsters (laughs) right exactly that brings um, me to a good point of something that I wrote down that I noticed. And um, I was like, I wonder if this is going to have to do with anything. And then later on, I missed what it turns into. And then I read about it. And I was like, yes, I wrote that down. So in um, the Hall of Mirrors that she goes into in the beginning, it's called Vision Quest, Find Yourself. And the logo right. is a Native American, um, which now would be seen as appropriation. When they go right. back to the Beach Boardwalk, the fun house it's, is still there, it's but it's Merlin. So yeah. they changed oh, it. So I read this article. Um, it's a really good article. I'm going to find who in my notes, who wrote it, because it is a delicious article. Um, basically, she was saying that, you know, they show the Native American, which should now be considered appropriation. Later on, they replace it with Merlin. And that's basically, you know, uh, symbolism for the way U.S. just glosses over their tragic history, mm. their horrific history, and just puts in, and because it's not, the Native American isn't gone. They just put Merlin on top of him. So it's like they just gloss over, like sloppily just try to cover up this history of horror and claim to be oh. exceptional, but they're really just. <laughs> wow no I, that that's that's great that's whoever found that they have a you have a great fucking eye a great that's fucking brilliant. eye because i literally wrote before i knew that it turned into merlin i was like vision quest find yourself indian logo america at beginning of time question mark Ooh, dang you were on top of your shit yes yes um also i think a cool a cool little symbolism that's really light symbolism that's thrown in there is at the beginning when they're showing the ads for ants across america and um the breach boardwalk it's on a tv and surrounding the tv is an entertainment center that has the movie chud on it um Mm -hmm. which is about people monsters that live in the swamps that come up and start eating people and um, it's also about a corrupt government. So I'm like, uh, clearly the inspiration for us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. But they were all like, even just like the detail in this movie is insane. Like Jordan Peele it's is exceptional above and above and beyond with like detail. Like the other VHSs that are there are also all have some sort of connection Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, my favorite one. I was like, I was so excited when I learned this. I was like, wait a minute, what? But like the Lost Boys, which is one of my favorite movies. <sighs> And like I was like, oh yeah, duh! Th- that is another movie that takes place at the Santa Cruz Beach Board. Like, or oh, like, hello, and it, hello, <laughs> and it was also. I mean, okay, in Lost Boys, it's called Santa Carla, but it's clearly but it was, the Santa but Cruz it's clearly Beach Boardwalk. Like, yes, yes, it's clearly like Santa Cruz, and they even filmed this film at the same exact place that they filmed Lost Boys. Okay, yes. I was like, uh, the, like the detail or like yeah. just the references that are in this film are just uh, And it could be the smallest thing like Adelaide, young Adelaide when she's in the Have Fun House we're walking around she's whistling 
Itsy Bitsy Spider, which she ends up whistling yeah. as an older kid too, or as an uh, older kid, as an adult. As a well, big kid. older kids, yeah. Um, you know, Itsy Bitsy Spider, and when you think about the lyrics to Itsy Bitsy Spider, crawled up the water spout, came from the yep. tunnels, the rain, okay. come wash the spider out. <laughs> okay, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Rain on me, rain, rain. I'd rather be jumping. <laughs> So one of the deeper symbolisms that I really like, because I love biblical symbolism, and of oh, course yes. they have I the man. Bring, with, I knew you're gonna bring this I up. Knew it, right? It's okay. So Jeremiah eleven eleven. So Jeremiah eleven eleven is from obviously the Bible, and yes. in that verse it reads as follows. This is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. So, yeah, that's kind of foreboding, you know. Um, right. But Jeremiah was a prophet chosen by God to speak to the captive Israelites in Babylon. So Adelaide's tethered shadow, Red, says she was destined by God to begin the untethering. Sorry, Babylon. <laughs> you, you said the magic Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a new track on Lady Gaga's new album, Chromatica. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. So to me, Red is the Jeremiah speaking to the captive people. That's more about Jeremiah yes. than it is the verse. Yeah, so according to Jordan Peele, I was watching an interview with him, and the interviewer had asked him, like, so what is, what is the symbolism behind all of the rabbits? So the rabbits are all in these cages, whatever. There's a lot of rabbits in this film. And he's like, well, he's like, I'm not going to give away too much. He's like, but I will say that there is a horror film Easter in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And so then, we, you know, I, I, I just had to figure out what mm-hmm. that was. And it is interesting how it sort of mimics the, uh, the story of Easter of you know red emerging from the tomb or okay we can go like farther back than that so red when she goes down there and she makes it when she's like explaining herself she talks about how when she got there they thought there was something different about her and so they looked at her as their like new messiah like that's why they started following her and she had like she had this like like a, a group of disciples which turned out to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Right. But she became sort of the figurehead, like the Jesus-like figure to these, to this disenfranchised group of people. Probably because she was they, the only one that could talk because she was actually yes. one of the humans. <laughs> right, exactly. Her resurrection, if you will, when she comes out of the underground and leads this group of people, you know, who who worship her like a messiah. She was I mean, chosen it's, by God. <gasps> Yes, yeah, like oh she's, it's God. an, it's like, it's, it's the Easter story. Just, and Which yeah. is why he would cho- choose rabbits out of any other animal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a Isn't good that a, one. Yeah. I was like, I didn't ooh, read I was that like, one, bitch. I was like, oh my God. I was like, ooh, horror Easter. I was like, now I know I got to watch every year. Um, one thing um, about the, the major theme in this is Hands Across America. You know, the tethered people end up coming out of from the shadows, kill their counterparts, and then make this line from coast to coast across the U.S., um, which actually happened on May 25th, 1986. Um, pe- but did it happen, though? It, it, like- there, was bra- there was broken <laughs> elements in the chain. But had they stood four feet apart, they would have ran through all 48 conti- conti- contigu- contiguous... States. Girl, what? <laughs> <laughs> Take another sip. Ah, okay. Look, I have to fill up my bot. I'm drinking some uh, sparkling wine. Oh, my God. Ooh. I know. I'm fancy. You over there drinking Wait. water. 
Hands Across yeah. America. So, okay, so Hands Across America, people pay $10 to stand in this line and hold hands um, in an attempt to form a human chain across the U.S., coast to coast. And it, the proceeds were donated to local charities to fight hunger, homelessness, and help for those in poverty. It was considered a failure because they raised $34 million, but they could only donate 15 after the rest of, most of it had to be used to pay for the organization to actually get this shit done. Like, you know, pay for it to actually right. happen. So it was considered, uh, but most people that participated thought of it as a success because it actually almost worked. Like there was almost a whole line from coast to coast, which is absurd, right? So that is insane. It was five to six point five million people, roughly. They don't know between what the numbers, but um, they held hands for fifteen minutes. In the movie, it's going to take fifteen minutes. Well, they say fourteen, but by the time, but when Adelaide calls the police to come, when the intruders are coming, um, they say it's going to take 15 minutes so by the time Gabe comes back in the house she says 14 minutes right okay and that's also how long young Adelaide is missing when she goes into the fun house for 15 minutes wow ooh that's crazy just little that is things so, yeah that's right yeah I, I like the the idea that like young Adelaide l- watching Hands Across America commercials on the TV you know she's a young girl like she doesn't right. have much knowledge of the world the world and pop culture and things like that and so when she Reaganomics yeah literally so when she um, is switched and she all of a sudden becomes the leader to this to this um, the underworld group (laughs) to the underworld it would it makes sense that she would pick something that she had reference to this little girl believes in Hands Across America I think before it happened yeah. And she didn't know that it was going to be considered a failure, yet she uses that as her model for the plan that's supposed yeah, to happen. Her, her she, big, that, that's her that's her, her big, big idea. Protest. Yeah, that was her that was her way of changing the world and taking it back. Was hands across America, and I think that's so brilliant. It's like if we can and, do this, it will probably cure the struggles that we're going through. Yeah, because absolutely. it did in 1986. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so the article so. I was referring to um, earlier that I would suggest if you're into this movie, you have to read it. It's from Vox.com, and the author was Emily Vanderwerf. Work, Emily. All right. <laughs> Her brain is probably just as special as Jordan Peele's because she <laughs> did a great cover of this. And also, um, TheVerge.com, um, the author is Tasha Robinson. She did a great job, too, bringing up those that classism and luxury versus poverty. Love it. Oh my god, um, I looked up this <laughs> art when I was looking up Hands Across America, I came across this website mentalfloss.com that um, had uh, you know an article a breakdown of Hands Across America and the cover oh yeah. the the head picture was this man in a Hands Across America t-shirt in line holding other people's hands and I swear to god when I saw the picture I literally thought it was me. I was like, is that me? Oh yeah. The one I sent you. Oh. But yes. he doesn't have facial wow. hair. And I was like, oh. I'm telling. And then when I zoomed this in, movie- it almost looked like my grandpa. And it had me tripping because I was like, I had just watched us. And I'm like, is this, am I the red to his Adelaide? <laughs> oh my God. You are. Yes. You have a, you have a weird connection to this movie. Like that was literally like life imitating art, imitating life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. And I'm a Gemini. Oh, this shit. is like my okay. movie. I'm scared of you. <laughs> um, so one of the so uh, one of the running motifs of this movie is twins. Did you notice any like different like twin things like? 
within this movie. Well, obviously, you know, the good, the trope of the good twin versus the evil twin. Of course, yes. Um, there was also things like, I thought this was really interesting, was uh, like scissors. Just down to like scissors. Oh. Scissors Hello. are two blades. They're like two blades connected by... A, a screw. Oh, wait. And I was like, I haven't come across that. Yeah, Jake. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Thank you. No, um, yeah, so like, yeah, the, the scissors are twins. Um, I mean, 11 11. Oh, is, a, a perfect know. mirror image of numbers. Yes. Yes. Um, um 111 is my lucky number. I swear to God, this el- movie is about me. Oh my gosh. 11 is my lucky number, too. <gasps> because it's, because I'm, I'm a Scorpio, so November 11. Oh my me. God. Uh, I was born on the 11th. My birthday was yesterday. Oh my gosh. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> one of the other um, interesting motifs I that I read about, one glove, was like how often like there's one glove referenced because there are two very prominent figures that are referenced that have one glove on, just like red. Oh. And do you know who are they? Michael Jackson on uh-huh, the Thriller and- t-shirt. And, yes, and who else um, were OJ Simpson? Wears... Oh, sorry, you're right. There are three. Who's the third one? Oh, <laughs> oh, the third one. Yeah, who who is a very famous horror figure who has one glove on? Oh, Freddy Krueger. Yes, and that's what the glove, like the brown glove, is a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh yeah, Nightmare on Elm I... Street is pretty prominent. I think he said that's even why he chose "I Got Five on it as yes, the, the, the basically the theme song to this movie because it reminded him of. Uh, the score of A Nightmare on Elm Street. So actually, I got five on it. Him picking the anthem is a really interesting story. Um, there is another article. It is on the ringer.com. Um, um, it's by Anna Lucente Sterling. She's from South Oakland, okay? So she's from over here. Um, so she wrote about a musician named Michael Marshall, who actually is the one performing the I got five on it. So he's the yeah. one that sings that part, and he was not credited. He didn't even start receiving funds from that song until 2005. And that oh. song's been out since the 90s. Damn, that song's old. <laughs> So he received no credit, he received nothing, and he was basically shut out from the music industry. He wrote that song, Rumors. You know that song, Rumors? By Lizzie Lohan? No, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm tired of rumors. No! (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, um, all these rumors can't take it no more. Oh my God, please tell me you've heard that song. Yeah, I mean probably. I oh my god. Okay, I listen to a lot. Of, so I listen to a lot of music. I probably have heard. So that. look, he was in a group in high school called the Timex Social Club, and they wrote that song, which actually became a hit song globally. Um, yes. And so th- this guy wanted to like sign them, um, and he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to get signed. So he basically created a new group um, called Club Nouveau, who is a more famous name, obviously, um, and mm-hmm. and made them in the fashion of Timex Social Club, but none of the members were connected and they basically shut this man out from the music industry so that kind of has this tie to what goes on in this movie too this underrepresented person who just gets shoved in the corner in the shadows and now he's emerged and now he um, they've actually included his name in both the score for the movie and the song now by Luna is um, I Got Five on it is featuring Michael Marshall so now he's getting the credit that he deserves and he's getting the payment that he deserves so that's right. Good for him. Yes, pay him his dues. Uh, yeah, that you know what that song. I mean, I think I will never hear that song without thinking about this movie now. Oh and, yeah, know, no. You know, and that's always a good sign. You know. Oh yeah, like, totally. 
because now it's just it's forever gonna be in there like if i hear that in the car i'm gonna be like Boop, who's right. who, you know who's I, my twin and it comes on me? it comes on over here um if you live in the bay area you definitely still hear this song on the play on the radio 106.1 you definitely hear it on there <laughs> 102. 102.1 102.1 the, the throwback 5. station Oh. It's a throwback station, and they play all the goodies, and they usually remember. play it on there, too. I don't live there anymore. <laughs> I don't live up in Northern California anymore. Why? <laughs> you would. I'm on 105. You're on 102, 1-2. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are Orange yeah, County, literally. bitch. <laughs> what, what significance do you think the fact that Jordan Peele casts an all-black family as the center of this film? Like, what do you think that... What do you think about that? Well, I think it's because that the tethered um, people coming up uh, would basically be people of color are living in poverty because also they have this weird dynamic between um, the Wilsons and the Tylers. The Tylers are their richer white friends. So there's even sure. that, that line of discrimination there because uh, Gabe wants what Josh has. So he compares a lot. He's like, when the power goes out, this is why Josh has a generator. Uh, Josh has like almost like a mini yacht and uh, Gabe buys his little rinky dink boat. And, you know, so there's like these differences still between the black family and the white right. family. Oh, interesting. Again, I, I I watch a lot of interviews with Jordan Peele, and what he said was like he lo- I mean, he did it mostly because he's like he loved he wants to give black people the opportunity they deserve. They're not really prominent in in the horror film genre just because of you know how they've been portrayed, you know. And he's like, and even he's like, I don't really believe that like in that like trope that black people die first. He's like, but if there are five characters left and one of them's black and like he's not making it to the end right and so i so i i love the fact that jordan peele um was like you know what then i you know I, it's time for me to to as a person in this power to have the people represented you know that you know don't Absolutely. ever really get to tell this story i'm into writing a lot and some and i thought about this story all the uh, main characters be people of color because well all the survivors at least because i'm like if you think about it the way they're portrayed in film is not accurate because i grew up mexican obviously i'm still mexican you know <laughs> but uh, you grew up mexican I, and now you're from finland <laughs> right <laughs> so i was talking to my friend the other day i'm like you know i grew up in this world of with only people of color there was i grew up in this apartment complex and she was like well that was modern day segregation like that was you know those welfare apartments with all people of color mexican you were either latino or you were black so i grew up in this world where you're taught completely different life lessons you're not learning about nutrition and fucking manners you're learning about how the world is going to perceive you and how what you need to do in order to survive and i'm like you know it's a totally different upbringing than maybe even you had you know and so when you think about it if these characters were put in horror movies they would be the survivors the people of color would be the survivors they wouldn't be the ones who die first they would be the ones who no. make it to the end and kill right, the monster because they, yeah because they've been taught from the the beginnings of their journey on this earth how to survive how to survive and, right yeah. and so honestly this is probably an incredibly realistic you know interpretation of what what would happen the protest that I went to last week, um, one of the uh, girls that were speaking, she said, we're not just book smart, we're street smart. Like, we know yes. what we're talking about, you know? And it's like, yes. it's true. It is, it, that's a very, it's very true. It's- and I and I do think that it, um, 
what I wrote down, something I observed, I was like, okay, is like, so are the Tyler family, um, Kitty and Josh and those awful twin <laughs> girls that they have, um, it's almost like a role reversal, I thought. Okay. So now we have like the, oh, the white family, yes. which are like, are like the less dimensional characters. They sort of, um, they contribute well, to well, the black characters, right? They contribute to the black characters' success. They're just sort of devices there to, um, you know, intensify the situation with you know our our center family, which yeah. are a group, which are a black family. Yeah. And then oh, um, I love this. Keep I don't going. know. I mean, I I don't. Oh know. I really well, you know, was... a part of that is. Um, I mean, this thing that is ongoing right now, Karen calling the police on black people right. and putting them in danger for doing so. And then you have um, that scene where Kitty's dying and she says, Ophelia, like Alexa, you know, Ophelia, yeah, yeah. call the police. And it's all, fuck the police, fuck the police, fuck, the police, police. fuck yeah. <laughs> Are they playing into like white stereotypes? Which is like, which oh. I think would be yeah. brilliant because it's like, you know, for so long, you know, the film industry and not just horror films, but stereotyped um, and put, you know, black characters in a box. And I thought it was really interesting that I felt like, oh, these people are literal white stereotypes. Mm -hmm. They're bored and they have everything. And like the girls are entitled, like they're like spoiled, entitled white girls. And then they don't have as like, a close of relationship you could tell as like, as the black as, as the Wilson as the Wilson family which is uh, true to form from what yeah. I know about people <laughs> you never see the white characters all together that like no. the girls are always gone the girls are upstairs like they're scattered all over the Kitty's house getting Botox <laughs> yes yeah literally and like she's like this like bored house you know rich housewife and then and then they die one thing I can say about Elizabeth Moss She's a great actress. That's for damn sure. And so she, you know, she puts on a great amount of crazy and mm-hmm. her in her little time. Lupita Nyong'o. But that is the motherfucking star as, of this movie, oh, dude. As Red, she oh. fucking kills it. The way she moves, the way she talks, the way it she is cries. so well thought out. Ooh, every sh- every sing every single beat that she has has intention in this film she and and like those moments where she is literally trend like transitioning between like oh, um yes. like normal adelaide and then when like, the red her, starts her, to come like, out of adelaide yes the red starts to come out of her and she sort of goes into just this like just snarling she's like, <laughs> then like yes. yeah like menace yes, that yes, she yes. has they do this every year where they talk about the biggest Oscar snubs and things like that, uh, award season snubs. Yes. And for sure, she is one of them. She, oh, absolutely. Because she I, went above and beyond and created a fucking scary, mo- like a yeah. scary monster that is, uh, I think, up there with the, with, you know, the big titans of horror. Yeah. Like Red is a fucking iconic villain. Because she, she won an Oscar for best supporting actress for her role in Twelve Years a Slave. And yeah. her role in that movie is so small. So to then put her at the forefront of us and for her to give that slamming ass performance. Right. I'm like, how did she, I literally was thinking as I was watching, I was like, how did she not get nominated at least for a fucking Golden Globe? I understand yeah. when the Oscars snub horror movies. I get sure. it. But we, yeah. but come on. A Golden Globe. For sure. She should have at least gotten a nomination. So I mean, even if it was for best supporting actress for her role as Red, like come on, like <laughs> I know, give can't... her something because she deserves it in this movie. 
What was your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part of this movie, to be honest, are the 80s flashbacks. <laughs> because oh, I yeah. love the 80s and like the early 90s and I love the style and the... The, I wish I had looked up the actress name that plays young Adelaide because she is the most adorable oh, yes. girl I've ever seen she is, and she's, she's so, so cute. cute and when she her eyes get all big I'm like oh my god <laughs> I'm like ah oh, you know I'm like so into her so um those 80s flashbacks are my favorite the hands across america like it's a it's a culture that like i kind of know about because my mom is generation x but i want to know so much more like i want to go back and like be this age but like in the 80s and 90s (laughs) yeah i mean you just look at our instagram aesthetic and you know that we (laughs) love neon 80s 90s yeah 90s we love vhs vcrs yeah i love it Oh my gosh, I love it. And I, her, you know, her thriller shirt is brilliant. Oh, yes. Like, I love that it's, I love even like the little things, of the little details, like uh, the shirt being long, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and just being like this it's big cute. oversized shirt. And, 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 I, and I love her candied apple that she's walking around with. And she drops it in the sand. Um, oh my gosh. And how cool is it that now, you know, little girls of color can look at that and be like, oh my gosh, that's a cute Halloween like she costume. She looks like me, yeah. Yeah, it's like I can be, a, you know, in like, from like a scary movie. Like what other, you know, fucking white people can be Drew Barrymore. They can be, you know, but who have, you know, who have like little black girls been able to see in a horror movie and be like, right. oh my gosh, yes, I can go out on Halloween and look fucking Like, cute. oh, what do you want to be uh, for I mean, Halloween? Uh, Lupita Nyong'o and us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um so my favorite part, I love the part when Zora, um, the daughter, is just fucking up all those, fucking up the twins in the house. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, when I was a kid, I would have seen her and, like, looked up to her because I was like, oh, my, I always wanted to be that kid in, like, a horror movie or an action movie who gets to, like, who gets participate to- yes. in, in the fun and the action. Oh, I know exactly and- what you mean. You know what I'm yes. saying? And, like, I equate her character to being, like, a character that I, you know, in 1995 was, like, Kirsten Dunst and Jumanji. Like, I wanted to be her. I wanted to be her so badly. Yes. And I can now see, like, a new generation looking to the character of Zora and being like, oh, my gosh, that girl was brave. She, you know, she wasn't afraid to go in there and kick a little ass in order yes. to save her family. You know, for, I was like, oh my for gosh, me, when you're saying this, model. for me, it's the kids in Jurassic Park. And it's so funny, forever, when I was young, I used to think that Kirsten Dunst was the girl in Jurassic Park. Oh, me too. But and I was and like, Drew oh Beverly Hills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. No. She's not. She was three different she actresses. Everywhere. <laughs> I, I look as like a young, probably, you know, I mean, we're gay from, you know, obviously the start, but like, you know, sperm. you always, right. And you always look back and you're like, what were like clues that were like that, you know? And one of them was that I was like obsessed with like these like cool, brave girl characters. Okay. And, um, you know, people, <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. The strong female characters always inspire young gays. Yes. Absolutely. They did. And, I, and, and, and if I were a young, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of a certain age now, I'm almost 30 and, um, you know, I could, I could just imagine a younger generation looking to her character and be like, oh my gosh, she's so cool when she did that. I wish I could be like that. Or maybe inspired. I wish I could be that character in movies, you know, as like an aspiring performer or actor. Yeah. So, 
as a young child, because I was, you know, exposed to crazy, like, adult pop culture references, the ones, the two that characters that I would quote the most, and now I look back on it, I'm like, I, I cringe, and, like, you know, I'm also like, I knew that's when my mom should have known that I was gay from the start. Um, I used to <laughs> quote, I used to quote Shanae from Martin. Oh, my God. Constantly. And, um... Joy, his um, Ice Cube's girlfriend in Friday. Oh my Played God. by Paula J. Parker, who we talked about during Horror Noir. Uh, yes. I used to quote them all the time. And now I look back on it and I'm like, you can't do shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't be You can't that. not do that shit. But I fucking loved them when I was little. You know, I didn't know that what I was doing would be wrong or, you know, appropriating right. any kind of culture. But I, but as a kid, I just loved them. I just loved those women. Yeah. And I was like, I love Shanae and I yeah. love Joey from Friday. Joey, my boyfriend, was like, I mean, I hope he doesn't get upset that I'm sharing this with people <laughs> on a podcast. But he was like, when I was growing up, you know, a, you know, like a gay kid coming up, he's like, I literally survived probably middle school and all the bullying that he endured. He's like, because I was obsessed with New York. Oh, like totally. he's like she, she was how I fought my bullies because all of a sudden I had her to look up to. He's like, yeah. He's like, I was able to fight my bullies because New York inspired me to be strong. And I would say he would like say things that she said to his bullies. Mm-hmm. He like call them fraudulent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I use fraudulent all the time. I as a young gay man. I always looked up to strong female characters, whether that were Meryl Streep and the Devil Wears Prada or Shanene and Martin. <laughs> I always look up to them. Good. And I still look up to them when we go to the protests. And guess what? Strong Abs- black women are the ones leading our marches over here. And I absolutely yeah, I, admire I, their courage and their voices. Actually, like looking back on, I, like I said, I went to three protests, but I think the majority of them have been run by black women who have, who are using their voices Look, for change. Women like, are yeah. strong ass people. I think that one of the defining traits for me as a gay man is my love for women. Yeah, absolutely. More than my love and for men. I've hardly dated any guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched a whole documentary about showgirls. Um, if you have a chance to check it out, it's called You Don't Know Me. Um, and I think it's available on on demand as of today i i saw an advertisement i was like oh my god yes i love showgirls anyway but yeah they talked about why gay men look up to a character like nomi malone who is absolutely you know she's she has a lot of flaws Mm -hmm. but (laughs) you know what she was actually she actually really um sort of parallels gay men's journey of leaving leaving their their old life behind and curating a new life for themselves a new name a new town and i'm ready to be a fucking star and i'm gonna choose my family and um i just thought that was really interesting so yeah like we're you know women play such a strong role in um the gay community in the gay community and what it really means to be a gay man (laughs) yeah gay men would be nothing without women absolutely is that controversial to say i don't know it it might be but you know what it might be but hey yeah whatever i mean it's It's our opinion it's true (laughs) Right, and I mean it's his opinion. It's Jake Sign's opinion. (laughs) (laughs) The world we live in, man. Again, I know I've stressed this several times now on this podcast, but make sure you're registered. We have a big, big 
big responsibility in November to, you know, make sure the right people are in power to yeah. better this this country and better it for everybody. Yep. And so make sure you're registered to vote and make sure when that time comes, you do everything in your power to get out to those polls and make a change. That is your voice right there is your vote. So it's up to us. <gasps> Get it? Oh my god. Oh my god. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> You're gonna tell me Just, thanks for listening. Thanks I'm, for I listening, have to bitch. listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet scream bitch. Oh, that just hurt my throat doing that. <laughs> You're a singer. Kudos you to cut it out. Join us next week. We're going to get even gayer. I didn't even think that was possible with our very special Pride episode. Talk to you then, queers.